The Women of Ill Repute with your hosts, Wendy Mesley and Maureen Holloway. Wendy. Yeah? You you have come a long way from your CBC days. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I'm not sure. Yes, you have. It, but yes, it's, uh, it's well, been a change. Yes, but I'm thinking, you know, well, in all sorts of ways, but basically, uh, as a presumably impartial journalist on the state broadcaster, you couldn't say poop if you had a mouthful of it. Uh, poop. Yeah, now I can say poop. Well, there, there's an image, actually. <laughs> there's an image. And now we talk, or you talk, but we talk about all sorts of things with all sorts of people. We talk about, uh, we talk about mental health, sex, and sexuality, terrible things that we've done, terrible things that have been done to us. Pretty much anything. Yeah, it's kind of neat, actually. The uh, realizing that every well, I realized this even before the podcast, but it's really driven at home that everybody's weird. So we've just talked about everything. We put everything out there, whether it's failure or joy or something in between. We talk about everything. It's great. We do. The question is, what won't we talk about? Well, we don't talk about the actual sex act very much. We don't like unless it's hilarious. Anything is anything is good if it's hilarious. We don't talk a lot about porn, so maybe those are the no. They're those are two. They're, they're, that's sort of a Venn diagram. But the, the, personally, I will talk about anything on this podcast that I will talk about with my friends. But as I started to think about this, I realized there are things I won't talk about with my friends. Like, like what? I thought I knew everything. Yeah, you're supposed to, you are my friend. But I'm not great with bodily functions if they're my own. Hmm. Um, and yeah, th- you know, that that kind of thing. I, I have a friend. Well, she's an ex-friend, but she would always talk also about her sex life with her husband. And I found that really, you know, she'd be like, oh, Paul and I, not his real name, where, you know, I was giving him a blowjob and I'm like, oh, I don't want to know. I don't want, so I'm not good that way. Well, we have to go back to human bodily functions because that was something, you know, like TV is supposed to be really glamorous, right? So there was never any pooping, God forbid, or farting or sneezing or snoring. There was never anything like that because we, it was like, it was glamorous and it was news. And so, but then we would go to tape and we would say, and now Anna Marie Tremonti from wherever, and then we'd vomit. So thank God. <laughs> not, not at Anna Maria, but just, you know, for sure. Well, I, I understand that. I, okay. So sex and money, money is another weird one. Um, especially my own, um, sex and money. There isn't enough of either. That's basically all I want to tell you. And I worry, I worry if I talk about other people, like my family, and uh, and stuff that they've been up to, that they will they will get mad at me. And I think that's uh, a problem that a lot of broad and podcasters have. Yeah, I was really careful. Partly be- it was a CBC thing, but also because my mom was still alive. My mom raised me, so and then she died, and then I was free to talk about my mom and my dad, who was gay, a big secret. But whatever, I wasn't comfortable to talk about that while she was alive. But now she's dead, so I like talk about. <laughs> Everything is different. You talk a lot about your husband and your kids, and I'm—I don't know—I'm a little squeamish. I'm much more careful. I—you have to tell Kate and Liam that the only reason why you married him and had her was so you'd have material for your career. And once you've got that clear, then you're free to do whatever you want. We don't have to talk about all these unmentionable things because... Well, yeah, because you may have seen in the bottom screen, we have two people who do talk about these unmentionable topics. That's actually the name of their podcast. They go there. They talk about hemorrhoids, cheating, and broken penises. I haven't heard that word yet. This, it's not Aaron Davis and Lisa Brandt, is it? Yeah. 
I'm just kidding, ladies, if you're listening. No, no. This is uh, this is uh, Cynthia Loist and Josie Dye, or Josie Dye and Cynthia Loist on Menstables. Yeah, so they call it the podcast where you're too, that you're too shy to ask for. They're our guests this week. Look at them. We promised you fearless and funny. Hello, women. Hello, Josie. Hi, Cynthia. Hello. Welcome. We're delighted. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having us. Is that a broken penis or are you sharing a microphone? What, what is We share <laughs> things that look like this often. <laughs> we're not that. We're not that. Close. We're not there. We're not there yet. Well, let me ask you something. I've known Josie since she was a teenager. Like I've, I've known Josie since you were a kid and I've watched Cynthia I, I just found out that you actually have not known each other all that long, have you? No. Yeah, we we kind of met, we'd met through the industry, obviously. She'd been on the social a few times. I don't know, we had kind of mutual friends, but it wasn't until the pandemic that we actually became close because I was looking for a place to send my son to school because I didn't feel comfortable with him doing virtual. And so I was looking for some families to get together and, you know, maybe have a little pod started. And then through the grapevine, I heard that Josie was already on it and doing it. And they needed one slot left. Mm-hmm. And they really wanted someone who had a son. And so I was like, pick me. Right? Yeah. And this, I, I don't know if you can see. I can actually, you probably don't want to see past this square because it looks good in this square. But if I just move oh. a little bit, there's little desks. This is where, so you can kind of see I shouldn't really move. No, but that's, that's that, that was your school. This is the school in the basement. And the five kids, they were down here with a teacher that we hired. And uh, yeah, every day we had a school in the basement, which was amazing. And I mean, I think that's where this whole idea was born because basically we, for almost a year and a half, maybe two years, didn't see anybody else. It was just us, our husbands and partners and our kids. We kind of really got into, bubbled. yeah, we bubbled. Yeah. We bubbled together for that entire time. And so during that time, Josie and I, we found ourselves like over a glass of wine, just starting to talk about ridiculous things. And we thought maybe there's something wow. to this. So we started building it from there. So, Cynthia, you're the only one who didn't, uh, among the four of us, who didn't work at CKFM. I worked there. Maureen obviously stayed there for a while. I was only there for a brief period, but it's kind of weird. And and in those days, we would talk about things with our girlfriends, but we would never, never talk about stuff. Oh, God, no. Yeah, a lot of things have changed. I, I had a flashback to CKFM. It, it was all, except for Betty Kennedy, who was like the queen, and she was like a thousand years old, which was probably not that old, but it seemed like a thousand to me at the time. She's probably our age. <laughs> yeah, um, but it was all it was all men. And so women, I don't know, we, we talked about stuff secretly, but we never talked openly. So you guys are... Yeah. So that would be the 99.9 now that Cynthia has been on a million times because Belle obviously owns 99.9. So it's part of the family. Yeah. Part of the. Jakarta. You're like, uh, been on it. Yeah. I talked about sex on that in the morning sometimes. I think I I think I bothered them because instead of using uh, the words like hoo ha and and the JJ, I wanted to use actual proper names and they didn't like that so much. No, it makes men very uncomfortable. The word vagina makes men very uncomfortable. It actually makes a lot of women uncomfortable too, particularly of a certain generation. But I hear you. I, after CKFM, I spent 15 years at Q107, which was a complete boys fest, which Josie's f- totally familiar with because she was down the hall at the edge at the time. And yeah, I was I was the woman. 
And if I mentioned womanly things and did it in a womanly way, meaning using the correct words, you could see the men's faces would be like, "Uh, don't hurt me with your words. (laughs) You know, you don't call it a penis. You call it a dick. Like, you know, that's it's so delineated. A lot of things haven't changed. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's like comedians who do like they, they screw each other up the behind or they do proctology jokes. But if a woman makes a joke about something, it's not funny. So it's like a lot of things have changed, but a lot of things haven't changed. So so tell us about some of the things that you've talked about. I've heard a couple of your episodes, but just for those that haven't, where where do you go? Well, we started with hemorrhoids. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you go from there? Yeah, really. Um, Yeah. So we started with hemorrhoids and that was honestly how we met. Uh, We tell the story in in the podcast. It's like we'd already started this pod, but really we bonded over hemorrhoids. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if you want me to go (laughs) tell you about that or not or keep going. Just move past that part. Yeah. So Cynthia was is a very open person. And as we were talking, she was telling me that she was having problems with hemorrhoids. And I was going through surgery for hemorrhoids. And I honestly thought she must know some, like my husband has told her this because why would she be sharing this really personal, you know, secret with me? So I stopped and I was like, you know, you know, don't you, you know. And I had been lying about this medical (laughs) problem that I had been having for about a month. I said to everybody that my thyroid needed to come out. It was this mysterious medical problem that she had, and, and it was hard to pin down. And anyway, I just was like on the phone with her, and I said, like, yeah, I'm in a terrible mood because I've got hemorrhoids. And, I, and there was a pause in the phone, on the phone, and, and I thought, oh, I've gone too far with our friendship. I've, I've opened up a door that I can't close. But it turns out that that's what she had. And so we, we laughed. We, mm-hmm. we, because it, and it was one of those things where when, when it came time to do the podcast, I was like, we have to start with that. And you were I like, did not want to. I did not want to. I was like, because also I had lied to my work forever. Like I had lied to them and told them I had my thyroid out. So how does that podcast come out? And then like my bosses and the owner of the company, they realized they gave me all this time off work for hemorrhoid surgery. How do you explain? It's like I know when you have your thyroid, you have they take it out of your neck, and when you have hemorrhoid surgery, you have to sit on a donut. So I'm not really sure how you. <laughs> There's no sense to be made, Maureen, of no. this. None. Well, there is a little bit because there is a little bit because when I did have my son, my thyroid was messed up. So I kind of knew a little bit about that, and that's why I was like, it's not really a big deal if your thyroid's messed up. Like it, I, I knew I could go down that path. And um, I talk pretty openly in the podcast about how someone asks to see my scar (laughs) and my co-host. And I ran to the bathroom and I got eyeliner and I started putting it on my neck. And I was like, see? Wow. And I was like, oh, cool. (laughs) That was that. Wow. But to me, this- You went- I I drew like a little- And I I actually said, they didn't go right in. Like I was, you know, I was Googling. I was looking at all the information. Just drew a little black line right there. And that was it. She was deep in this lie. I, to me, this was an illumination about like just how much shame and embarrassment yeah. uh, that women have to go through. Like 50% of the population experiences hemorrhoids. And, and I think more than, more than that, probably. They just don't admit it. 
They don't, they don't say yeah. Yeah, no one talks about it. So I think that, that this was one of those perfect ones. And literally right after we, we released the first one, I don't even think we'd gone public. I don't think we publicly announced. We were going for a walk down in the beaches. And this woman, and I, she was very styly. And she was, she every time Cynthia tells the story, she's like, she was very styly. I don't know why that's an important detail. She looked stylish and she was with her baby so cool. and her uh, husband. And she stopped us and she goes, I just listened to your podcast about hemorrhoids. And, oh no, she didn't say hemorrhoids. No. She said, I just listened to your podcast. And I loved it. And let me just say, going through it now. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that you're, if you, you're probably going to get a lot more of that as you open up this Pandora's box. What kind of reaction are you getting? Oh, we're getting great reaction. We are every day we text each other or call each other and we're like, did you just see that email? Did you just see that message? People have responded really well to this. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's something that has been quite emotional because we we launched it not knowing. You never know what's going to happen or how it's going to be received. And so to hear people saying that they're laughing, that they feel seen, that they feel like relatable, that they're sitting in with their closest girlfriends or even the girlfriends that they never thought they could talk to about this stuff. And it's funny, the ones that resonate with people, like some people we, we talked about, and it was a more serious one about a weight loss journey that we went on that kind of made us really obsessive and over-controlled. And it was really problematic. That one has resonated with people. You mm-hmm. said someone at your work was crying mm-hmm. about it. So we're doing a range of topics because as you, Maureen, started off the top, like unmentionables is a broad topic. And so while sex and bodily functions is a huge part of that, there is also, I like I envision us talking about everything from death to identity to, you know, money, like all those things I think have a place in, in, in our sort of secretive, shame-filled world that we're hoping to get people to open up more about misogyny there's a whole bunch oh yeah interesting oh gosh oh yeah yeah joel's broken penis <laughs> that that the, joel's josie's husband long suffering i might say in my family <laughs> so so obviously not a problem because as wendy and i were saying off the top we've our families are like well what well, just don't i don't want any of my shit out there so this is kind of a surprise. Well, Joel was first to document this on his Instagram. So when it oh, happened, so he'd already he'd already gone out. Okay, when it happened, he knew, like your families probably know, that I have a microphone every single morning and that I tell personal stories on air. And I think he wanted to get ahead of it. He was like, I'm going to have the narrative. I am going to be in charge of my own story this time instead of me going, Joel, so what part can I say? Can I say this part? Or, you know, you just never know. It's like broken telephone, how things translate on air. So he started it. He came out the second day, like the day after this happened. He broke his penis. He told everybody. And like us, he had men all over the world, because my husband travels, he's a, a music, he's a manager, he manages some big bands in Canada, he travels all over the world. And he had men everywhere, in Australia, at the Grammys, everywhere, come up to him and say, tell me about <laughs> your penis. Like they all wanted to know about his penis. And so he's been educating men across the world. And we thought we would tell the story as well. And it was a nice way for us also. We've had a lot of females, you know, listening to this podcast, but I think just this week there's been a lot of males that have jumped on board, which is fun. The women of ill repute. 
So is there stuff that you won't talk about? I mean, obviously, if you're not going to talk about it, you're not going to tell us. But is there any limit? Like, is there like we I guess in our in our lead up, Maureen and I talked about how there's certain limits. Like, I don't want to talk about porn. Is, is there anything that you don't want to talk about? I was going to say we've had, you know, because we're called women of ill repute, we've had pe- porn workers or sex workers, which is probably the who who've asked us if we wanted to talk to them. It's not that we don't. We might down the line, but that's sort of like we we're not there yet. Um, I just I just don't want Wendy. I don't want them to think that you know porn comes up all the time, and we're like absolutely not. No, no, I, I'm very pro porn. Uh, it's just it's a secret. <laughs> 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 That's fair. Obviously, my background, I started out as a producer for sex TV. And, you know, I've been a sex educator for a long time. I got a sex education certificate from the University of Michigan. So it's my beat. So I feel very comfortable in that space. Having said that, I also am with a partner who is a cinematographer, and he's a complete introvert. He is not on my Instagram. He's shy. So I have to navigate carefully where I, you know, where I step, because I, like you were saying off the top, it's one thing when it's your story, it's another thing when it involves your other family members. Although having said that, accompanying this podcast, we have a video series, a YouTube series, and Jason, my partner shot Shot them. (laughs) So we were sitting there talking about like, really odd sexual experiences and he was behind the camera so we're still together so yeah. but i think my biggest yeah. my biggest line right now probably is around him and our personal experiences and then my family cuz uh, you know i would never or anybody else in my life's story if it implicates them i'd have to clear it with them first Absolutely. do you have a line yeah it's the same thing i mean even though joel is pretty open about you know, his penis breaking, there are certain things that he didn't feel comfortable with us talking about and he's already flagged them. So we'd had to take a couple of things down already. And yeah, I have to be mindful of my kids, obviously. But we've talked a lot about this. And you have a really great philosophy about Jaya. Jaya is Cynthia's son. Yeah, because I did have that worry when we first launched this. I thought to myself, there's always that fear that, you know, your kid is going to, you know, see something and, and think of you differently. And I, I was saying this to a friend of mine, and she said, you know what, your kids, when they hit teenagerhood, teen- chances are they're going to be embarrassed of you anyway, regardless, right? Mm-hmm. And the thing is, that this is part of who I am. Like, I, I, And I do really fundamentally believe that shame and secrecy is what breeds the worst parts of humanity. It makes people angry. It makes people fearful. It makes judgmental. people judgmental of other people. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the fact is that all the stuff that we're talking about are very human and are very relatable. And so I think that hopefully, my friends thought this, she's like, you're going to raise a son who sees you and knows that you belie- had a belief system and he's going to respect you for that. So I'm- It's just my line though, right? You know, like it's uh, my daughter, I don't want to say her last name, which is my husband's last name. It's not that hard to figure out, but, but I was very deliberate to not give her my name because I thought it was really important that she get to establish and and she's been quite grateful for for that that she gets to say I am my own person I do my own thing but now I'm of an age where like Marina and I talk about all kinds of things and we want to get other people to talk about about things and so there's a little bit of of hypocrisy there but then I don't know kids kids and husbands are complicated because they want they want to be honored they want to be part of your life, but they also want to be in control. And I remember the first time walking down the street when our daughter was like five and she rolled her eyes because we said something embarrassing. So yeah, she, she's still rolling her eyes and we're, we're still embarrassing, but yeah, it, it is, a, it is a fine line between sort of addressing shame and protecting people that you love. 
The word shame has come up a few times, and Cynthia, you've used it too, and it's amazing how women in particular, all of us, but women in particular are raised to be ashamed. Oh, that's, that's a sh- that's, that's, you should be ashamed of yourself. And what a waste of an emotion that is, unless you actually have done something shameful. Well, I was raised Catholic, so embedded in your entire experience as a girl, you had the same exp- like it's just it's part and parcel of the way that you're you're taught to be female. And I think you know not to negate the experiences of men in that religion as well, but there was a through line with all the women in my life um, that you were supposed to not trust your body, you were not supposed to indulge in your desires. Everything was a slippery slope to ruin. Um, And it really messed up the people closest to me. There was all kinds of teenage pregnancies surrounding me. Like I saw the the very real impact of what happens when you don't empower and inform girls to know their bodies, to have a voice, to say what they want. And so this has been like a, like a, like a battle cry for me for a long, long time. And so to me, I feel zero shame about it. And I will, like, I don't have any, I don't have any wavering around that. Also, we do a a really good episode about cheating, which is an incredibly taboo subject, right? And if you think about it, and we talk about our own experiences with infidelity, and you think about it, you know, men, it's more acceptable when a man cheats versus when a woman cheats. And women are slut shamed. And, you know, going back to the age of time, they had a, a scarlet letter A on them or, you know, they were stoned. And men, it's like, oh, we can, we can understand it. We understand how and why. So I think this is really great for us to openly discuss some of these issues and do it in, in our way too. So I don't feel so ashamed about some of the stories because we're talking about them and we're, um, yeah, we're talking openly about them. Yeah, I said the, the menopause word to a, a male friend, and he was like, don't issue that word. Like, that's disgusting. And I was like, yeah, it can be disgusting. And if people don't want to on about it, yeah, it's, but why should it be banned? Like, we talk about all these crazy things that, that have happened to men, and it actually does. I always thought it wouldn't happen to me. It just happened to crazy old ladies. But, but then you, <laughs> you turn fifty, and you know stuff, or you have cancer, and things happen earlier, and it happens to everybody. So why can't we talk about it? Because we can't. We still can't. I mean, we can say vagina instead of vajayjay, maybe. And that to me even bothers me. Like I've gone on a rant on the social recently about the fact that like we shouldn't be saying vagina because the vagina is the birthing canal, and that's what it is. The equivalent of of penis is the clitoris, right? And we don't say that ever because that's a useless, I mean, a very useful, but in, in, in a patriarchal society, the clitoris only serves pleasure. So we, we erase it when we talk about the vagina and the penis being similar to one another. It should be the vulva is actually the word that we should be using because that includes the clitoris. No one uses the word vulva. No one. It is an unused word. I know. This is a hill I will die on. My son... <laughs> will use the word vulva and he will be made fun of. And I will tell him this is what most people say vagina, but vulva is actually the proper word. Because if we want men also to grow up to who are heterosexual, to understand the female anatomy, to be better lovers, to be more understanding of consent, it starts there. So yeah, that's my rant. <laughs> it's a good rant. <laughs> she she doesn't need us to plug her, but have you guys watched Cara Delevingne's uh, Planet Sex? Yep. It's it's quite yeah she she goes there she goes there you know she had she made a plaster mold of her vulva but she wouldn't show it on camera <laughs> <laughs> Well she's also part and parcel she makes a like she's partnered with um, a woman who is the front of a sex toy company a very high tech sex toy company and she's used her name for that so 
yeah, I mean, there are things, there are people who are taking control. Pleasure is a big, important subject that none of us learned about in sex ed. It was all about sex for procreation. And if we start to re- add that into, I think, women's lives, the idea of seeking out pleasure, not just in the bedroom, but in the boardroom and in, you know, all spaces. I think there's like a revolution to be had there as well. And women need to start judging other women also for seeking out those things. Well, you guys are, I don't know, you're probably 20 years younger than me. And I'd like to think that everything had, has changed. But uh, the other day I was in a flea market and there was some lady who said, yeah, I was, I remember you, I was a flight attendant and, and we got pregnant or somebody got pregnant and they had to leave. And I thought, you know, this woman is still alive. I knew that happened in my grandmother's time that she had to stop being a teacher when she got pregnant. But I remember, and, and I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not a young person anymore, but I'm still alive. And I remember, I'm sure you do too, Maureen, that when we had cancer, you weren't supposed to talk about it. It was like revolution. Oh yeah. Cancer. Yeah. You were let alone appear on the air with a big belly. I like, that's only 15 years ago. It's not, things are still, things are still changing. I hope. I would actually add to that. I find, you know, like our kids, Sarah, so you're the generation after us and our kids are the generation up to that because our kids are in their 20s. I found them and I have boys and Wendy has, has a daughter. I find them very prudish. I find like they don't shower together anymore the very like my son played hockey and but they never showered which can you just imagine communally and there's and then i've i've heard that this young generation is having less sex than previous generations and i find it kind of astonishing that we seem to be despite or maybe because of social media that we're heading in that back in that direction i think that stat around uh, the kids of this generation having less sex is an interesting one. And I think it needs to be teased out. I think some of the reason why may be because they're prudish. I, I, I suspect that that's not the entire story. It might be that they're more on their devices and they're connecting less in person. They're more intimidated. I think it's also that they're getting confused messaging about who's initiating, what that means. Consent is complicated. But I think one of the biggest reasons might be that, and I hope this is true, that young women are having less are refusing to have sex that they don't want to have. Good. And I think that that's because be I like I think that there was a lot of sex in many generations yeah. in the past that happened just because it was like I guess I got to put out if I want to keep this guy. And I hope and I may be wrong that more and more women feel empowered to say like yeah, I'm not you're not doing it for me at this level, so you're not going to go any further. I don't know. Are we talking about sex? Like because I I'm going to have to like click off because this is just going <laughs> to <laughs> But I would add to that, Cynthia, as the mother of, of boys, nice, nice man, nice young men with lovely girlfriends, that they are also very aware of not ever, you know, like the permission thing it goes way beyond that. It's like you don't ever, they no longer see themselves as people that have to get sex to achieve it. So I guess in that sense, it's a step in the right direction. If you think about all of the sex that you had in high school that you didn't want to have, right? Honestly, exactly. Mm-hmm. All the sex I didn't want. All the sex I didn't want to have. <laughs> or at least that wasn't pleasurable, right? Yeah, or that, yeah, you just felt that that's what the cool kids were doing. So, and didn't know how to tell anybody, I don't really like that. <laughs> but that's still happening. I mean, I'm now that I'm sort of quasi retired, uh, Maureen and I do this podcast, but I have a lot more time off than when I was a, a news person. And I, so I'm skiing and I'm going up the hill and there's all of these bras from young women are like, oh, I've had. Oh, and the trees, and the trees. 
Oh yeah. yeah. So where is this place? No, it's, 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 it's it happens everywhere. I want to hang out there. I, no, no, all ski hills. You will find sure. that there. Are, is this what happens? Yeah. Well, if they have, I think it's <laughs> girls. Like the least. I think it's girls pleasant. weekends, and they're just they uh, y'all bring. Yeah. Because I go skiing every Sunday, and I'm going to start looking in the trees. I don't see any bras. <laughs> But this is called Lake Ridge, Ontario. So maybe it's a little like not as cool as where you're going. How do you find, so Josie, you work with boys and they live with boys. And, and Cynthia, you work with women. Do you ever talk about your, your, your shared experiences and your very different experiences? We often do <laughs> a lot. Yes, our very different experiences. You want to go ahead? Well, I mean, they each come with their own. There's no perfect team dynamics, right? And I think I've had the great benefit of having a lot of great female leaders and great female teams. And, you know, I came up in an era where I think there were so few spots, seats at the table for women. Like I started as a producer, right? So I didn't have to deal with it. It was just a very interesting, eclectic group of men and women, um, you know, trans. Like it was a whole, sex TV was very eclectic. When I moved into the on-air space, I could feel a shift Mm -hmm. because I believe that the generation just above me found that there was a bit more of a threat is what it felt like. I remember meeting with somebody who I'm very much admired in the industry and asking for some sort of tips. And it was a very frosty exchange. And I, 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 I don't judge that. I, I, I know the way in which women were treated in this industry for so many years, particularly on air, and the way in which men also manipulated them to be threatened by other women. So, so one of the things that happened early on with when I, when I got to the social was that we, we made a pact with each other that we were like, we have each other's backs. We have to, we have to align with each other. Even if we we're not going to always like each other and we do fight like sisters sometimes, but we have to have each other's back. And since then there's been a lot more growth and a lot more females in, in front of the camera. And I know that when people have come to me to be mentored, I, I remember one time I had checked myself because I was a little bit like, I don't know, but this girl's a bit of a hustler. And then I was like, stop it. Mm-hmm. This is wonderful. I will mentor her. She, like, shut that voice down. I'm not continuing that on. Sorry, you were going to say something. No, about that. I mean, I want to talk about the, the how many women are at the seat at the table because it's often like you're playing musical chairs and you're trying to get that seat, right? So um, there's a lot of competitiveness with women in our industry. And it's because there are only so many seats like at I the see, table. I feel like now more seats. More seats. But in rock radio, definitely less. And that's kind of how I grew up. And I, I still, I'm still trying to deal with me as a female in this industry. And I think like there, there's a moment where there's times where I think, I don't think I was a great female and it's nothing to do with the way I treated other women. But I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I was the boy's girl. I was the girl that got along with the boys. I was the girl that when they were laughing sometimes at other women, I would be there and not say anything in hopes that I wouldn't be the target. And by being that person, it's almost like I let misogyny just take over. Instead of and, and then one day, eventually I grew up because I started in radio young, like I was, you know, 17 in radio. And one day I stood up and I realized by me being silent and being the only girl that hasn't been fired at the edge after 12 other women have been, I'm not being like the cool chick. I'm being the girl that helps breed this misogyny that, you know, continues to this day. So I think that to me was like, I'm just starting to figure that out now. And it's taken a long time because I work with all men all the time. 
I still can't believe, again, in radio, looking in, like I remember saying to you one day, like, why, why, we were talking about morning shows and I was like, why couldn't, you know, there be two, just three females or two females? And she's like, that's never been done. It doesn't happen. Like, how is it? But I feel like I see all kinds of sports radio shows with three guys, often three white guys. Or, Or radio shows in general with all men, not even sports. I'm talking rock, pop, all guys. But you put two females together and, oh my God, those voices clash with each other. How do you tell each other apart? How do you figure that out? Oh, I can't hear two females on the air. Like, this is mind-boggling. It's fucked up. It's actually crazy. So we have a long way to go. Yeah. Yeah. There are there are a couple of shows that are hosted by two women, but they're not, they're, they're you know, mar- I shouldn't say marginal, but they're not the big stations. They they do do that. Uh, Josie, everything that you say, you know, I was feeling the same thing down the hall, right? I mean, it was the same same deal. So it's, I just get these washes of, not shame, there's that word again, but that, you know, that's... And this is a thing I have to realize too. It's not my job to stop massage. Like, this is not my job. In fact, it should be men that are taking on this issue, that are tackling this issue. And the good men, like the the men, and of course, every man is going to be a little biased because they're male, but um, there are incredible men that work in radio. There are so many of them, and they should be standing up for the women in radio. They should be having a voice. Don't you think that's changing? Like, I, I find that. Like, I, I remember when I was on the Hill and there weren't very many women uh, a thousand years ago, and Anita Hill was she was speaking out against the appointment of the nomination of a Supreme court justice. And everyone was like, Oh, she's just a slut. And she probably slept her way to the top. And she's saying that he shouldn't be there because he's a pervert. And, and nobody believed her. And, and all the men in the office were, Oh, she's just a slut. And ha 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 ha. But I don't think that would happen today. I like maybe with the <laughs> back to your, your podcast. So tell me what to, what, what else is coming up? What, what have you got? And sometimes you have experts on, but sometimes it's just the two of you. Will you take questions from the audience or people who want to relate their weird experiences? Tell us what we can, what else is coming down the pike? Yeah, I mean, we do have a woman who she's a real estate agent by day, and but in the rest of her life, she has cats and two husbands. So we talked to her about how she navigates that life and how she introduced her second husband. They do. They all live together. They have separate bedrooms. Mm-hmm. It's a complicated story that we got exhausted listening to. You know, and they actually don't have a lot of sex. Like they don't, which was mind boggling too. Sex isn't like the whole thing. And I think it's exhausting. Can you imagine having two husbands? Exhausting. Exactly. Exhausting. Um, but and all those cats. Yeah, we also uh, tackle some rumors about us. So there have been rumors in the industry, whether it's we slept our way to the top or it's that. Cynthia over here is sleeping with a Canadian celebrity. We, we yeah, we go there. The bottom of yeah. it. Uh, we're also talking about Hockeygate, which was a big deal. Basically on the social, there was a comment made by one of my co-hosts and it sent a firestorm for, for a long time that was very traumatic for all people involved. So we've got her on talking about speaking out, using her voice. Yeah, those are just a fa- sexual fantasy. We interview a Dutch researcher who is so charming and his whole thing is he actually brings people on stage to share from people from all ages and all cultural backgrounds to talk about their sexual fantasies. And he was just so delightful and sort of joyful and curious, like a, you know, a journalist, but he's managed to find this little weird sweet spot and written a book about it. He and another woman do this. So we interviewed him about, about what sort of sexual fantasies also say about the culture that we are from, about what we kind of repress and what it means about us when we should introduce it in a new partnership. Those are just some of the things yeah. that are coming up. Sex oh, interview Maureen about that one. 
Not me. Yeah, sexual fantasies? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll listen. I'll watch. But no, I I, I can't. I'm con- I'm con I'm convent bred too, like Cynthia, and I you know it's still that's still in there. So, uh, but it's uh, good luck, you guys. This is wonderful. I think you're absolutely the right people to be doing this. It's nice that you enjoy each other for whatever that means. We'll put that rumor. <laughs> And hope you're having uh, having fun. Wendy and I are, and this is a wonderful, wonderful way to to. Um, it's great to work this way, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And we're just looking forward to be, to develop this community. As I'm sure, like you, reach out to women who listen to your stories and connect with you and talk to you. And we're just trying to encourage our listeners to start sharing their stories too. There's something very cathartic, I think, about it. We really wish you both all the best. And it's, uh, I wish that you would say that everything's fixed and everything's different. And it's not. But things are, they're, they're better. And, and you're part of making things better, better. So, uh, so it's great. Right back Thank at you, you guys. Thank yeah, you so much guys. for including us. It was absolutely our pleasure. Bye. They were lovely, lovely, lovely. Yeah. I did not know that. I think I knew, but Cynthia has the, I mean, she's, she, she is a major in gender studies and she's, you know, worked. So she has, I mean, you were saying off, off air, anybody can be an expert if they just say they are. Well, that's the way it seems today, but she actually has a few degrees and she feels very strongly about, I, I'm still not sure I can say the C word, which is, starts with C-L-I-T. <laughs> word yeah that's the word no yeah i don't even know how to pronounce it i don't know whether it's clitoris or clitoris or just clit and even just saying this makes me really uncomfortable what's wrong with me i know so it's uh yeah anyway i wish them well they will talk about all the things that we don't talk about so that's covered <laughs> yeah well and some of it i mean i think we do i i think that uh shame is a is a nasty thing. it is a big thing and, yeah and supporting women and uh i was saying to someone the other day that like having a co-host i mean the two of them they have co-hosts they've worked that way but i haven't i've always kind of been on my yeah. own and here i am with you and you're another I know. we've we've said a couple of c words and we're getting there yeah another 20 we'll be all set <laughs> You know, this. I think we're like closing in on 50 episodes at some point uh, in the next few weeks. So we should be very proud of that. Really? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I think certainly we've celebrated our first anniversary uh, since we started this. And okay, well, math is not my strong point, Wendy. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm, 35, 35 then. How's that? Yeah, every day is Tuesday as far as I'm concerned. But yeah. no, they were, they were wonderful. And I and I think they are talking about some of the things that we're not, which is which is great. I don't want to talk about hemorrhoids, but, uh, uh, but they can. <laughs> and, uh, and they have made good stories. And they did. Yeah. <laughs> it was wonderful. Yeah. Anyway, lovely to see. Anyway, lovely to see. Women of Ill Repute was written and produced by Maureen Holloway and Wendy Mesley with the help from the team at the Sound Off Media Company and producer Yet Belgraver. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks undercurrent podcast at NBC Sports. 
Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice in the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. <laughs>